Than last time. On this week's show, I welcome back Kyle Krieger. He is the co founder and one of the principals of Crew Creative. Now, the last time you saw Kyle here, he was part of my laid off special with Neil and Kyle. The three of us all got together and talked about the time that we got laid off. We shared stories about it. I had just left corporate. Essentially, they paid me to quit, which was awesome. Kyle's story, much different. But what's funny is, That story plays a bit of an origin in some of his creative endeavors that he's now doing. That show was, what, seven years ago at this point? And man, a lot can happen in that time. So I welcome Kyle back after the official launch of Crew Creative. And what we do is we talk through the journey, the evolution, the stops and starts along the way. And like always when I get together with Kyle, because we get into this in the episode... We will reconnect from time to time to exchange ideas, talk about creative processes, give each other guidance, whatever. And I got to tell you, every time I get together with Kyle, I'm left feeling energized. That dude is just caffeinated, full of life. He's got art bursting out of him in a way that just makes me go mad with envy. And I hope for him that pipeline never, ever stops. Doesn't seem like it will. Seems like he's kind of a relentless force of nature at this point. And more power to him. So, on this week's show, we talk about a lot of things. We talk about his 15-year history of selling gas detection monitors. Yes, that is, in fact, as glamorous as it sounds. What ultimately facilitated his exit from that industry and corporate in general. We talk about some of the projects that stopped and started along the way. Some video blogs that he created for that company. The podcasts he launched. Probability Matters. Soda and Son, which is still going. And what ultimately facilitated his move into animation and motion graphics. Also of note in this episode, Kyle talks about how he is six months sober. And why he decided he needed to quit alcohol entirely. That's fascinating insight. And for anyone on that journey, for anyone going through it, maybe this will help you. I know when I listened to it, I had a revelation about myself. Wasn't related to alcohol, but related to something else. And I go, oh... That gives me some additional clarity on a behavior change in my own life. I'm not going to spoil it here. You got to get to the episode. It's near the back half, but it's incredibly insightful and instructive. So if you're going through that, please know you have my support. And if I can be of help in any way, you can get in touch with me. The email address is john, J-O-N, at deftcom.us, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. And hey, as long as we're thinking about it, why not check out my company that produces this show? It's Deft Communications. Essentially, it's all manner of traditional PR. If you want to communicate more, if you want to communicate more effectively, if you want to communicate better and more targeted, I can help you do that. I'll help you design a campaign, put some strategies and tactics in place for you to execute, and I'm happy to do it myself. I generate tons and tons of content for the people I work with. Whether we're writing, whether we're putting together some sort of outreach campaign, And notably, if you want to incorporate podcasting, that's a big part of my portfolio right now. 
In addition to this show, I manage five others with another one likely coming on board here shortly and another one that I'm launching with some friends. Again, I'm teasing that. That's coming. I'm very, very excited. But it's all under the umbrella of Deft Communications. Go to deftcom.us, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. That's the only plug on the front end of this show because I want to get to this conversation with Kyle Krieger. He is the co-founder and a principal at Crew Creative. He's someone I've known since middle school. We went through boot camp for new dads together. He was at the high school reunion I planned and executed last year. And he's the guest on episode 334 of the John of All Trades podcast, which starts right now. Uh, making shit. (laughs) 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 Writing down something, coming up with some, like, idea. Either I'm, say, here's my daily, so nowadays. I'm either with a pen, uh, or I'm sorry, pencil and paper, writing down some idea, walking through some muse that's going into my head, trying to capture it and put it into a bottle. And then from there, I'm either, like, trying to concept something, draw something out, illustrate it, or then begin to like animate it okay. or whatnot so is, that's like usually what i'm doing is this all practice right now or are you or do you have paid gigs i have some paid gigs that we're getting up but yeah a lot of it's like i think a lot of it's practice just because i've got this like just crazy appetite for just like listening to the like voices that go and just pursuing it i honestly cannot describe the only way i can describe it if as a as a parent and I know mm-hmm. you have two young girls, is it's like that frozen calling thing, like the from the <laughs> yeah. distance. It's just like... In frozen too. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> shut up, voice. When will you When will you be served? Um, but that's basically what it is. I'm envious of that right now because I haven't had that in wild abundance in some time. Yeah. Mostly because once you start doing this for hire, it's harder to gin that up for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it, it's something that comes with time because all of a sudden you're on the clock. And when you're not on the clock, that's like the last thing you want to do. Of course. It's, a, it's like people ask me about podcasting all the mm-hmm. time. What do you listen to? And I'm like, nothing. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I spend all day with giant chunks of audio. The last mm-hmm. thing I want to do in my downtime. is <laughs> mess with more audio. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't listen to podcasts for pleasure anymore that much. It's, it's pretty rare that it happens. But when it does, I'm like, oh, yeah, this was fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like so where I'm at though is I'm still in this phase of like this pure romantic sense of it because um a lot of it is I'm constantly developing in skill, but a lot of it's just like I absolutely love it. Like before doing this when I was selling like gas detection, industrial <laughs> gas detection instrumentation, like the last thing I wanted to do was wax poetic about H2S sensor <laughs> response times and T50 versus T90 and all that other stuff. Like, right. I knew it. I knew it. But it's just like it's not enjoyable. No. And I mean, you were good at it, too, right? Oh, I was great. I mean, I, I mean, I think I'll try to be humble. I was pretty good at it. I made a good career. I mean, I spent 15 years in an insanely strange niche industry that yeah. mostly nobody knows about that seems intimidating. And it was like it's perfectly fine, but you know, after a while, you just kind of like go, "Dude, I've been doing this for fifteen years." Yeah, like the, it was like my second job, essentially out of college, and I've been doing in one form or fashion that same thing for fifteen years. <laughs> I mean, all throughout the world and all this other fun stuff. But after a while, it just gets tiring. Well, dude, that's like that's like doing the entirety of schooling from first grade through college. Mm-hmm. 
and you were doing that in gas detection. Yes. So, and I remember, like, you were on the road, too, a lot, like, traveling through just beautiful, scenic stretches of Oklahoma. <laughs> well, you, so, Oklahoma, bless its heart, um, has its wonderful spots, but the whole world, like, I went to, like, Kuwait and Qatar and Germany and Korea and Jesus. England and Bakersfield, California, and... You had to throw that one in there yeah. just to rub it in everyone's <laughs> face, didn't you? Home of Dwight Yoakum. Um, home of the door that Chuck Nolan uses in exactly. Castaway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when he gets off that island. Is that where the door's from? Yeah, because remember he see. I just saw this not that long yeah. ago. But he sees it, he's like, Bakersfield! <laughs> Bakersfield! He's yelling at Wilson, and you're going, oh, yeah. what the hell's he doing? I, that <laughs> seems like the only way to say that town's name, quite frankly. But, yeah. Like with an exclamation yeah. point? <laughs> but no, I've been, I, I was everywhere, and it was great. I got to see a lot of stuff, but then after a while, it just kind of blends together, you know? Yeah, so this is Kyle Krieger doing his second tour on this show. The first one, you mentioned that the, the gas detection job was your second job. Uh-huh. The first one you got laid off from. Oh, no, that was my stint where, so I grew up doing gas. So my dad grew up in safety distribution, industrial sales, okay. whatever. And I was like, hey, this is something I want to do. And then when you're 25 years old, you don't want to go work in a field with mostly people that are 40. Yeah. And so I was living in the Bay Area. So I did that for a couple of years, and I went to work for Yahoo. Oh, yeah, and that's, that's right. where I was like, job advertisements, recession, this is going to be, oh, shit. Yeah. And then the whole thing went to crap. <laughs> so that was the, the, I don't even know what episode number I was on. Uh, that was, let's see here. So that was right when I got laid off yeah. from my job. And so that would have been in 2015, so right around 50 or so. Yeah, and that was some, talking about something that happened in 2009. Yeah, so, well, yeah. yeah, and that was um, that was right when the Denver Post wrote me up, too. I was on hiatus. Oh, yeah. And the Denver Post called, and he's like, so you did this lay, uh, laid off episode, and I'm mm-hmm. like, tight, that's the one you picked out? <laughs> Great, yeah. Cool. Sounds uh, awesome. So, uh, so yeah, we did that. That was really fun. But you mentioned our kids, too. And yeah. it, it's funny. I mean, we've known each other since, what, middle school? Yes. Where, where, where did you come from? I, I grew up, well, I, came, I moved from Aurora okay, to, just to, the other to side of town. Genesee, of all places. Right, right, right. And so then that's how we met. Okay. And so we were pals in high school. We went to college together. Kind of just lost touch for a yep. long time. Mm-hmm. But it was so funny how we ran into each other at boot camp for new dads. <laughs> yep. That's where we did. So, yeah, you walk in. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's Kyle. What yep. The? And so it's funny. So our kids are like almost the exact same age because mm-hmm. Cole is, what, December? He's November. November. Okay, so Grace is October. Right. Um, and then Sloan was born in July of 16. And Mila was May of 17. Okay, so they have a little more distance. Yep. But, like, we've been on parallel paths, and it was nice reconnecting because you would start picking my brain about creative stuff. Uh-huh. Like, a lot. And... I love it when people do that. I don't think enough people just like reach out to the people in their network and pick their brain. They don't. No. But so you'd do that. And I was always happy to like sit down and do like talk about whatever you wanted Mm -hmm. because anyone making the leap immediately has like, I want to get behind them. Yeah. Right. Because I've done that. It's scary. And I had a lot of people show me a lot of grace. And so take me through when you started thinking about pulling the trigger Mm. and how ultimately you arrived where you are today yeah so like so as i sit here today i am a principal at crew creative which is a creative agency that it, that features the wonderful talented kimberly krieger uh and myself and so to get here was kind of interesting and i don't want to like wax poet- poetic too much on like how it but i'll kind of go in this phase and maybe if somebody's like kind of got that feeling like they've been doing something for 15 years this is like 
I wouldn't say a cautionary tale, but one's person's sort of like journey. So I started realizing it was very monotonous at this current company. And right around 2015, 16, right when I did the laid off special, I had been always flying high. I had always achieved my sales targets. I mean, for years, always crushing it, 100, 100 awards, getting sent on trips, all the stuff, right? And then I didn't. Mm-hmm. And then I had a kid. And then it was just like, what the hell's happening? I'm like in my 30s and all this like sadness comes up, but it's like deep fucking weird sadness that I can't quite understand. And I remember I was sitting there during this time of like being put in this interesting position with this company and I just wrote something. Mm-hmm. I like wrote an article. And I'm not like the greatest writer at all, but I wrote something. I posted it on LinkedIn. And I was like, okay. And then people kind of dug it. And then I just kind of kept doing that in the background, right? I kept, I kept messing with it and messing with it and messing with it. And finally, I just kept wanting to write. And then after I wanted to write, then I wanted to do a video blog. And then I did a video blog and got in trouble for doing that. Um, <laughs> from get from into that. who? Well, okay. So, And wait a minute. Okay. So yeah. let, let me pause you real yeah. quick. I've heard this from salespeople mm-hmm. where – even if you're successful and you enjoy it, because there are elements of being on the road that can be fun. Yes. But at some point, you're going to find yourself talking to someone you don't like mm-hmm. about something you don't care about, mm-hmm. eating a steak you don't want. Yes. Like, <laughs> Oh, I mean, John, all the time. I mean, if you're traveling, you either... So, yeah, like that's... Yeah, that's exactly this. Your table for one, you're either wanting to spend all day, you know talking to people if you're eating dinner by yourself fine or you're out with people you're just on non-stop but then in the times that you're by yourself you're really by yourself oh yeah and then after years of doing that if you can't find other like weird uh if you can't read or do other productive things like it it's it's just this grind it'll like i don't know what it is but it'll get you and yeah. you just do it for the longest time, and you see these sad tales of people sitting at bars by themselves, and you know your business person, you're traveling, and you're gripping with something, and you're dealing with it in one mode or the other. You always see the small town guy that's real big on the spot, like John Ritter or whoever the fuck from Three's Company, like, I got me a woman over here and here, and they're always chatty. Or there's like, you can see all these characters. It doesn't matter where the hell you go. It's mm-hmm. always the same people in the same restaurants. <laughs> and you with that shitty steak, or maybe I'm eating better, so my, you know, whatever from the, the light menu. Like, it's, it's just it's yeah. the fucking worst. So you're grinding away. Mm-hmm. You start having almost this existential crisis. Uh, and you make a video blog that got you in trouble. Why? <laughs> so this video blog, I wanted to like make it my own. So I called it 2050 Safety, and I like put everything behind it. And as a former college mascot, mm-hmm. oh, um, that's right, you were yeah, Cam the Ram. I was Cam the Ram. I never like you guys were in high school, and I did like this class. And uh, uh, Klug was his name. Oh, he, yeah. he asked me to be part of the improv group, but and I didn't do it. But I should have totally because I was like, no, let me play upright bass and continue on this (laughs) grind that my father bestowed upon me that went to nothing. Um, And I ignored that. But then I ended up doing all the high school assembly stuff. And so I always had it in me, but I just didn't have this medium. So I started doing this video blog thing. 
and I would just do episodes. I only did like 15. I tried to do like one every week or every two weeks. And I tried to essentially take my writing, but make it with like video facts and make it more entertaining as we were seeing more video mediums and like influencer-ishy right. type thing. I thought it would be a unique way to see if I could sell or, or whatnot. And um, it, it happened that we noticed that a lot of people in the safety realm weren't taking advantage of data. So they were saying, we only really only care about the acute thing that's in our face. We don't care about all of these leading indicators that happen um, that let us know, hey, we could we could have a problem here. And so I made this whole like QVC show. It's so stupid about like data. I and this. I had like a guy call in from West Texas and a guy call in from Wisconsin. And I put it together and it was way too long. But at the end of it, I was like, oh, it'd be so funny if I set up a hotline at the company <laughs> and then had a cat poster that I would send people. So I spent money and printed cat posters. Like your own money? Yeah. I mean, I was just doing this for fun. And then I set up the hotline. It got set up for a while. There were a couple of people, including executives at the company, that thought it was great. But then there were a couple of people who thought it really sucked. Yeah. And then I was told to stop, which was fine because it kind of got a little bit out. It was a little too like Saturday Night Live meets really serious issues. This is going to be fun. Well, yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. I've worked for enough corporations now mm -hmm. to where they think they want to be engaging and creative. Yes. They don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, you, you'll go, well, how about if we do this? And they go, well, we can't do that. It's like, why the fuck did you even hire me? Right. Like, what are we even doing here? Well, and sometimes that check is good because it can go too far, but... It's when you're trying to like go out and make creative stuff, you gotta you gotta explore. You gotta, you gotta push the envelope a little bit, man. Otherwise, you have to. it's gonna get lost amongst all this chaff, right? That like their brands are just pushing out content constantly, and most of it is just fucking terrible. It, it, it is terrible, and I, I feel that it's it's terrible because a lot of people want to spend more time talking about why ideas won't work than really <laughs> investing in why ideas should. Yeah. And I was explaining this to – as we're sort of emerging and, and getting um, networked in with our clients, I was sort of explaining this concept to somebody like – I can't force creativity upon you. The only time that you can work with me is when you have an idea and you want to help bring it to life. But I can't say – I just can't throw ideas at you like some madman like, all right, let's go to the writer's room. What do you got for me today, boys? Right. Like, it, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And so like that's, that was kind of the – it was my first understanding of balancing personal passion and initiative – with trying to make something work, mm -hmm. and it was okay that it didn't. And actually, when I was told to stop, it actually hardened my resolve sure. to go do something on my own, and it gave me the permission to be more entrepreneurial and not try to do it under the guise of a company, but rather on my own. Okay, so you make these blogs, you hit a roadblock. When did podcasting come into the picture for you? So when I did the episode with you, I remember I really liked it, and people were like, you're really good on a podcast. You should totally do one. And I was like, eh, I don't know. And like seriously, mine in 2015. Oh yeah, there were people who listened. They were like, oh, that was good. You should totally do it. We we thought that was oh, really cool. entertaining. And then my ego was like, yes, it was. <laughs> um, and so then around, so my son Cole, uh -huh. he was just he's just a funny kid. And he, um, so around 2020, 2019, I was like, I want to do this podcast with him because I thought, well, if they don't want me on the video stuff. Well, screw that. I'm going to do podcasting. And so I got with you. Yeah. You gave me the list, the whole John rundown, 
And then I started this um, show called Soda and Sun, which is still going with my son, Cole. We have 70-some-odd episodes where we just crack a soda and just talk about life. It's very extemporaneous, very just like raw exploration of the mind. And then I did one called Probability Matters. Yeah, I remember that one, too. For the industry podcast that was with my buddy, Mwangi. And, um, yeah, that's kind of how the the podcast started. Okay. Prosaic question for you. Favorite soda so far? Do you have one? Man, that's tough to say. Are there any that have really like? Uh, well, no, I don't want to. I don't want to have you do that. Oh, uh, yeah, dr- so, drag soda companies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, there's a couple. Like, I don't know. Like, so for me, it's just I know it's so corny. For me, it's just the documentation sneakily of his childhood uh, and, yeah, and some of the stuff to listen to back to. Plus, by the way, if you listen back to podcasts at half speed, it's really, really funny, especially with a kid, because it sounds like you're just fucking wasted. But um, no, with 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 Cole, I think the um, like the uh, Orange Dream from Spreckers, which is like the number four. That one was like a very solid soda. That one's sort of tough to beat. Nice, um, but yeah, that's, that's probably my favorite. One. I it, well. That, I, I'm curious in that because I haven't drank a soda in mm-hmm. since 2017. Yeah, health uh, experts say it's great, by the way. They say you drink more. <laughs> oh, really? Has yeah, that guidance yeah, yeah, changed? Yeah, it's changed. Good. Yeah. I, I'll get back on it then. I'll, I'll get right on it. Uh, yeah, I remember, like, and you used to ask me to listen to the episodes and, like, I'd give you notes and stuff. Uh-huh. And I always liked that, too, because... I could tell that you would incorporate the feedback Mm -hmm. Um, because some people, I know this has happened to you, they'll ask you for advice or they'll ask you for recommendations. You give them to them and then they don't fucking do any of them. (laughs) And and you go, why am I here again? Like, what was the point of us chatting? Yeah. Like, why? And so this whole time, though, you're making Mm -hmm. all this shit, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you you still are doing your day job, right? Yes. Are you still selling like gas detection monitors? I, I did sell, yeah. So then when the pandemic hit, like everybody like, oh, here's my unique fun story. But when that hit, I couldn't travel and I was done with traveling. Yeah. And oh, then yeah. I was like, all right, cool. Let me lean into this and go further. And so, yeah, I was doing that during the day. But I mean, anybody who said they had their shit together in 2020 is an absolute liar. Nobody knew what the hell was going on. No. Uh, a lot of activity slowed. You're just trying to like find the time, and I was able to find time to lean into these items and really give them the time that I otherwise would have never had. Okay. At at a certain point, you start learning animation, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. Was that 2020? Yeah, that was right at the right at the tail end of 2020 because I had okay. been screwing around with like watching all these tutorials, and there's a program called Adobe After Effects, which I really liked because i could augment the experience more and it was finally like my brush if you will to like actually bring what i had in my head to life and it's a it's such a complex program and it requires all this and yeah then i i took it at a place called the school of motion and man i mean that is was one of the best decisions i absolutely ever made totally life-changing um for me to be able to do that but yeah so that's kind of how um how I got into the old animation thing. Okay, Kyle, that's fascinating yeah. to me because I don't have that kind of talent at all, and, nor the impulse mm-hmm. to to draw or to create like moving pictures or mm-hmm. things like that. What about it spoke to you? You said it, it finally was the key to unlocking what was in your head. Yeah. 
were you thinking in in these terms and like but but you're lacking almost like the the correct language yeah that's exactly what it is is because i could speech was always speech and me i mean i'm, I'm like gesturing over here uh-huh. <laughs> like that was my number one and um i guess like to to be able to communicate but creatively when i would try to speak to people for presentations or whatnot that could only do so much but i could only do that a couple of times a year or whatnot. Oh, right. And it was usually like a bunch of people would dip in their mouths like, well, this guy's real <laughs> hyper about this whole subject. Uh, I don't know what the hell's happening. And so I was like, I want that more. And so, yeah, I'd never had the tools to be able to do it. Mm. And I just like, I, I can't tell you the years I've spent watching tutorials and spending time and watching the same thing over and over again for like the proper movement i mean it's just so yeah it was finally that thing that gave me it was two parts it was finding the the tool that i felt like i was going to lean into Mm -hmm. and it was uh enough of a commitment internally to to say okay this is what i'm going to do okay so i'm I'm actually going to chase this in earnest now uh quit fucking around Mm -hmm. right okay and so at, at what point did you feel like you had a good grip on it? Like how, how long did that take you or are you there yet? I mean, you're, I don't think I'm ever there. And because, uh, but I think as far as being like competent and capable, it came because for some strange reason during probability matters, every episode I, I forced myself to create a visual representation of the episode for all 48 episodes. So I would do the edit. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I did this. Yeah. But I would do the edit. And then I would write down notes. You know, as we're going like themes. Mm-hmm. And then I would like mind map. And then I would come up with some video way. To make like a video promo for every single one. Wow. It didn't need to happen. No. Um, very much and didn't. It was so much time that I spent on it. But it was like my training grounds. Yeah. And so I. And the thing <clears throat> about it is a lot of people when they're trying to be creative. They don't want to put out their work in progress. But for me, I my thing is like if you don't, then you'll never be able to objectively see your work. You'll never be able to understand what other people think of your work. And so, yeah, it was it was really rough. I mean, a lot of it's just stock footage like <laughs> with like hard cuts. And then over time through that and then finally it took me going to like school of motion mm-hmm. and doing these actual like paying heed to the craft. Then I felt yeah. that, okay, now I've got at least a good grip on things. But dude, there are so many wonderfully talented artists in this world that you'll never get there. But man, it is the path. It is yeah. not the destination. And it is just so fun every day to just tread it because there is just so much constantly to learn. Yeah, there there really is. And I, I like your point about, you know, work in progress. Mm-hmm. And I, if I never do this, but occasionally I've gone back and listened to old episodes of my show. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is a dog shit edit. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that is fucking terrible sounding. And like, this is another reason why I don't listen to podcasts for fun very much. Mm-hmm. I can see all the, ste- all the seams and all the stitches yep. in it. And I'm like... Okay, like I can't turn my brain off while I listen to this. And this is also why I hate advertising on podcasts mm-hmm. because they're always shoehorned in there in like the clumsiest way possible. Right. And I make sure to skip every single one of them. Yes. Because I think podcast advertising is fucking terrible. Yeah. Either you're doing this like half-hearted live read mm-hmm. or like he'll be like recording it into his phone in some fucking hotel room. Right. And it's it's almost like they just staple it onto like <laughs> and you go, hey, this is this is the worst. Right. But I didn't really give a shit. And so, like, to your point, 
when I started this show in 2014, I was still working at my corporate gig. And I was doing, I'd be up at like 1030 at night, just mm-hmm. editing episodes, like figuring out how to fix problems. Mm-hmm. And just by, by nature of doing it, did I get better at it? I go, oh, okay, I know how to solve this one now. Yep. And so once you do that, I don't know, when did I start getting paid for this? So like 2018, yeah. I, I got my first paid podcasting gig. Right. And that is such a weird feeling because it's like, oh, shit, all of a sudden there's money on the line. Like this is someone else's money. That that I can't fuck up on now. No, and it's different too when you start working with other people because yeah. when it becomes oh, yeah. a selfish thing, you're the only one that needs to be served. Yeah. But then you look to work with other people and then their needs need to be served and it's a completely different way of approaching and yeah. uh, and looking at it. So yeah, it but you, you have to I mean I you have to go through that journey but you have to screw up so many times yeah. and you have to put out some of the worst product yeah. to, but but it is but in a weird way it's the best product because it's the product that got you there there are so many people mm. who've never made anything that could oh, have yeah. the potential but they just never believe in themselves but i i wear all of those things like a badge of honor because i'm not ashamed of any of it because it was representative of the of where i was in that point in time and that is that means something, yeah. regardless of whatever anybody else thought. There, that served a purpose. I learned something from this as a result of it. Yeah, I, I think that's really well stated. And when I talked to Alan Brooks, who's been on this show like three times now, mm-hmm. he's one of my favorite creatives. He's written a ton of like graphic novels and comics, and he he has a recurring comic in the Colorado Sun. And people will come up and be like, you know, I have an idea for a book. He goes, great. Mm-hmm. Go write it. Yeah. And like, well, first I got to do it. And it's like, no, nah, you fucked up. Like, <clears throat> and so that's another reason why I was always thrilled to talk to you because I could tell you were thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people just need a nudge in the right direction. And so I'm always championing and cheerleading and like, fucking make this, dude. Like, do it. I remember one time you paid me to analyze a video presentation <laughs> yeah. you did. Yep. And I'm like, okay, this is awesome. And I remember, like, I. The feedback I gave you, you're like, this is fantastic. I didn't expect this much feedback. And I go, well, what the fuck are we doing here? Right. If, I, if I'm not going to give that to you. Right. You were nice enough to ask. I'm going to put my whole ass into it. Right. And, and give you the benefit of my experience. Besides me, mm-hmm. who else did you lean on like in, well, in, in I, this journey? I lean on. There's a group of, of individuals that I've met through like my motion design group. And all of those people, Andrew... Jake, Bo, Logan, like Austin, all those people have been tremendously helpful along the way. Sounds like a fucking lacrosse team. Do, you, you are, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but Johnny's over here. But they are like, it, it's community. So the, the one thing that I'll sort of like augment your answer with is you must, must have community. Yeah. Must have community and support in order to let any type of human-based creative art form thrive. And I say that from somebody who is still on a early path. And at least I say that humbly. I'm probably more in like the mid, but you need that Mm -hmm. because without anybody else, you have absolutely nothing. And all of us play that important role. We're all just too fucking scared (laughs) and in our own shit to ask somebody else who's really good or better at the thing that you do to look at what you do objectively. And that is so hard to do. But like that is the biggest failure is not asking people. But the other biggest failure is for you not to put 
Don't put one cheek, both cheeks, damn it. When somebody yeah. asks you genuinely, and you ca- then give them everything. Don't not give them hard feedback. Yeah. If it sucks, say, you know what? This isn't the best, and here's why. Yeah. But people don't need, like, that is the hug. Like, uh, uh, not telling them is the shove. Yeah. Telling them is the actual hug. It may be a little bit more awkward, but, like, nobody can succeed. I, I don't care what media. I, I don't care that you're talking about like animation or art or podcasting, just being a mom or a dad oh, or yeah. anything. It's all about reaching out to people. Well, dude, I mean, that's like boot camp for new dads. You're, yes. you're going in. That's a very humbling thing that you're doing when you go in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when it comes to stuff that people have created, there's a subset of people that would rather, I think like stand naked in front of a bunch of strangers than ask people to weigh in on what they've created. Yes. You know, and that is so weird. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't be precious. You know what? You can. Fine. If you want to write this novel that only you are ever going to read, fine. That I have no problem with that. But that's going to be unfulfilling on a certain yes. level. <clears throat> so you need to get that feedback because it's like, is this solely for you? And if it is, fine. But I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. That's not why we create. We, we create for others. So hearing you say that, I think, is, is really, really cool. But, yeah, man, get, like getting hard feedback. And I, so I'm a consultant. I get mm-hmm. shit on all day. Right. Um, it doesn't fucking matter to me. Um, also, I work in PR. Mm-hmm. PR is like baseball. Baseball is a game built on failure. Mm-hmm. I think is an instructive life lesson because you're like, you know, what, what's the highest batting average in, in Major League Baseball right now? I don't know. But it's probably like 350 or so. Yeah. So what? 650 out of a thousand they're failing yep like that's okay if you recontextualize the way you understand this you also learn to appreciate the successes a lot more Mm -hmm. so so far on this journey what do you count as some of your biggest successes oh on the journey to where i'm at now yeah yeah. i would say like all of the all of the projects that died (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, like all of the things that I made that then didn't like see it through or don't because they're not always supposed to be everlasting. But every single thing I did, the internal podcast I did for my company before mm-hmm. I left, like all those things are the successes along the way to the journey. But like it's funny, like the journey, the path, like it's never contextualized. It's always sort of like. You, you know, you you can't ever grasp it. It's never tangible. And that's like, once you realize that and you can be honest with yourself, like I can't honestly define anything and any goalpost I put out will likely didn't just get further put <laughs> out. Move. So then you're like, well, what do I focus on you? Not to say kids don't set goals, set goals, but like just take pride in like, okay, I made this thing today and it, maybe it didn't go over well. Maybe it did go over well, but then how am I going to use that? Cause you're going to have to do it again tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, Dude, every project for me, because a lot of my shit is writing, it starts with a blank Word document. Mm -hmm. And literally every single fucking thing I do, there's a blank Word document staring at me that I got to fill in. Mm -hmm. And that is too daunting for some people. And that's why people hire creatives. Mm -hmm. It's because generating the raw material is the hardest part. And I'm fucking great at that. That's where I'm most comfortable. That's why I hated working in corporate, too, because it's a lot of meetings. It's a lot of management. It's a lot of shuffling shit around. I'm most comfortable when I'm delivering lots and lots of work product. Yep. So I, I'm very much the same, and there has to be a certain type of environment that, like, the, it is some intimacy to be able to to bring that out. 
and note that you know you can't like there will be horrible things that come out of that, <laughs> and it's just part of the process. Yeah. Like what always got me was like corporate brains like, all right, guys, we're gonna brainstorm for fifteen minutes, and it's like. Okay, and I was always awkward in those situations because my mind would go so fast that I would always talk and I would always have ideas. And then what it ended up is then everybody was like, oh, cool. This is Duck Hunt. Kyle's the duck. And then we have the shotgun. That's how it felt. It probably wasn't that way, but that's how it felt because I'm just like, well, what about this? And what about this? And it was never this type of thing where people were like, all right. Let's take it easy. Yeah. Let's have some time. Okay, let's get your input. And then I want the silent person's input. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, I want their input too, but usually the environments are just never conducive enough. to. And that's usually why creatives outsource so much because it's very difficult to do internally. Well, dude, and I, I give the creative process as wide a berth as possible. Yes. Because, so, okay, so here's a question for you that's mm-hmm. going to lead into what you just talked about. Yeah. Are you more introvert or extrovert? Well, it's funny. So I believe I'm naturally inclined to be extroverted, mm-hmm. although at times I can be very deeply introverted. So I don't know exactly if that makes sense, but I would say like, yeah, it, I, I, that's the best way to describe I, it. I, thought, I figured that was going to be a tough question for you, yeah. and here's why. <clears throat> so for me, those meetings where you're in a big like board meeting, uh-huh. and I call it a big group grope, yeah. where everyone is just sort of talking and whatever. I'm terrible in those meetings. I hate them. Like mm-hmm. I hate them with the power of a thousand suns. I don't do my best thinking there. I do my best thinking back at my desk, like where I have some time and I can focus and do all that. You know me and you've mm-hmm. known me for a long time. I'm great in a crowd. Mm-hmm. Like I know how to do that. I know how to navigate that, but that drains my energy. Yeah. I recharge. And so this is how you know if you're more introvert or extrovert, mm-hmm. I recharge by being by myself. Mm-hmm. And so the, the reason I ask is when you are a creative and particularly a consultant like you are, mm-hmm. there's a lot of time by yourself where yep. you're just creating. So if you don't have an introvert sensibility somewhere in there, it's probably not going to work. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think a lot of creativity is navigating your own, you know, monsters, demons, city pathways, all of that stuff. You have to really understand yourself, your thinking, your creative process to be able to deliver product that works because ultimately it's your neural pathways that you got to clear out to have clear product come out. Mm-hmm. But if your pathways are clogged or whatever, it's very difficult uh, or you just don't enjoy your own streets and turns. <laughs> like it is, it's very difficult to, to be considered a creative person. It is very, very hard because every single creative project you do as a creative mm-hmm. professional will, you will be giving a piece of yourself. Yep. Like no matter how banal it is for it to work, for it to resonate, for it to land with people who are paying you, it's got to have a human touch to it. Yep. And so when you were giving of yourself and, and if you do this too much, your well runs dry and then you can't fucking create anything. No, you can't. And the hardest part though, John, that I felt is you have to give birth to this particular piece of art or whatnot. And then when, when it's out in the world, you have to be able to say it's no longer me. It's not my. And yeah. then you have to look at. So it's this very like just like hard cut that you have to say like okay now I have to be able to look at it objectively. Right, buddy Bo 
like looked at it and he and he was like he told me he's like dude you have to be able to look at things objectively after it's here or else you'll never grow and you'll never progress because your fucking ego gets in the way <laughs> and then you're just like so worried about like taking things personally it's like they're not personally thing i know you put your heart and soul into it but they're saying like your contrast is off or like yeah. your message isn't clear but that's not you personally it was a byproduct of your thought at that point but it's not you no, and it's hard, and it doesn't belong to you anymore. No. I wrote my entire master's thesis on this, yeah, and it's basically every new thing that you create. And so this was with regard to uh, two albums that I analyzed. Mm-hmm. Once they get out there, the audience will make it their own, and and each thing calls a new audience into being. It doesn't speak to an audience that already exists. It reconstitutes and calls into a new grouping of people that are going to react to it. Mm -hmm. And so to your point, once it's out there, you go, okay, this no longer belongs to me because, and I'll give you a perfect example of this. When the white stripes wrote seven nation army, Mm -hmm. I don't think they planned for it to be like the all time sporting anthem for European soccer, right? Where they just fucking chant that the entire game, Mm -hmm. right? There's no way they could have known that that group of people was going to take that song and do that with it. Right. Right. So once you understand that, you stop taking this shit personally. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. It, that's so hard. <laughs> it's, yeah. It seems like so easy. It is it's so, so hard. I'm better at it now, though. I yeah. Mean, I've been at it for a long time. Yeah. I think as you grow and you emerge, you just yeah. you learn to get better at it. But I think anybody would be lying if they didn't say that, you know, a part of them, it's still tough. So one of the things, you mentioned this early mm-hmm. on in the in the episode, which is, you seem to have this relentless stream of creativity mm-hmm. just coming, like calling you and mm-hmm. just dying to get out of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you worked this corporate job. I, I liken it to like when you take a garden hose mm-hmm. and you kink it and then all of a sudden the water like shoots way out. Does the well run dry for you at this point or is it is it still flowing to that degree? I mean, I don't know how you would define the well or whatever. I mean, I think I think the only thing that's different is is it's just my commitment to bring like I think somebody said like the death of creative process is lack of commitment right like when Mm. when you have an idea like if you him and haw about it it won't happen a lot of it's just me putting things out there out of like will and out of (laughs) and out of time so I, I think eventually it will I don't think that everything is good by all means it's probably not but I think it's my commitment to constant to constantly getting better that is the I think the difference and there are times when it will kind of turn off, but because I found this later in my life and because it's representative of something, then it's there. I mean, for me, I was describing this to my wife the other day, but you know those scenes in the movie where like you can only see like the eyeballs in the dark mm-hmm. and then they like <laughs> then they like they create the spark and then there's this flame and then all of a sudden you kind of like see the other stuff around it. For me, I was explaining to Kim sometimes that it, it can be tough for me because I feel like if the torch goes out and the torch in this metaphor being like creativity or creative ideas that I could focus on, it's almost like these other things of like this anxiety, this self-doubt, this all of these things circle, and the minute I light that torch and I can wave it around, then they all kind of ah. back up, and I'm there and illuminated and bright, but it's this constant like comedy right? that just happens where the it goes out, the things come in. And, and for me, wh- I made the commitment in January to be sober and not drink. Mm-hmm. And for me, I didn't realize how that was sort of this like false torch that I would like bear in that mm. sense of those other 
items being ever present in my life and being more self-aware that when I would be on the road, you mm. got to deal. If I don't, if I'm not dealing with these by thinking them through and trying to name them and tangibilize them and, and put them out, and I'm tired of like talking about this, and I'm tired of talking to strangers. Well, there's you know there's this fantastic craft beer. Or there's this thing, and then it just becomes an issue, and you don't realize how. And and a lot of like for me, it was never like oh man, he was admitted to whatever. It was just this like subtle weird suburban death of the like adolescent college person that learns to like mix alcohol with pleasure and the great things in life and then it just becomes when you're 40 it just becomes like gross and sad and lonely and like for me not for everybody but for me and then I kind of woke up and I was like what in the fuck am I doing here like I cannot do this anymore and I, it's the best decision I've ever made because it's allowed me to like really fully lean in and, and understand and get a lot more clarity. It's not easy, but it certainly helped me lean into my creativity way more than before because now I can wake up in the morning and go watch something and be present in that moment. Or instead of drinking it away or whatever, I can write it away or I can mm. draw it away or I can at least spend time and get clarity on it. Whereas before, it was just getting all mixed and mused and it was really a way for like my ego to like come up and like just whisper a bunch of weird old lies into your head. <laughs> and then you just sit there and you're just like, what the hell did I just do? Like I, I, I dealt with my being sad or whatever in this manner and like I like poison myself and I wake up and I feel like hell and then, like, I'm going to do it again in, like, two days? Like, <laughs> why Why am I doing this? This cycle just – and, again, that's my narrative. Yeah. It's not everybody's narrative, but it was mine, and it was the best thing that I did for myself because it was, like – yeah, it just, it just helped me figure out some of that – at least see my streets of my pathways internally better than I did before. So it sounded like you got bored with the rhythms of it. Ugh, and, so, and it sounded like yeah. you were bored with yourself too. Oh, so bored! I think you're into wrestling, right? Yeah. And I, do, you're gonna know this way better because I love the way your mind works. Okay. But like, I didn't like, and this may get like a little like mature or whatever. But like, didn't Jake the Snake talk about like if you just keeps getting weirder on the road? Like, didn't he have some quote oh, or something God. like that about like about would, sex? Yeah, yeah. Again, we don't need to dive into it. But the I always think of like for me. Oh yeah, it was, you're talking about Beyond the Mat. Yeah, yeah. It's one of my favorite documentaries. Yeah. yeah, and so like for me, it was more of like the that drinking item. You just sort of need to like either get more drunk or try to go do some more. Like I separated my shoulder in Tulsa, Oklahoma, over like a trench plate because I wanted to ride a scooter to like some dive bar. And I'm like, I have kids. Like this isn't cute anymore. Like I had to go through TSA. I was like, I can't lift my arm. You know, like. You get to a point, and you're like, "What? What am I doing here?" Yeah. Like, and it, there's never no end. There's never an end to this. It's only going to end badly because you're only going to have more responsibility on yourself. Oh. And like, when are you going to just cut it? And at least, again, for me, other people don't have it, but for me, it was just like, "Yeah, you, you got to quit this shit, man." Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you made the right decision. And mm -hmm. I, I, anytime anyone brings this up on my show, I'm always happy to talk mm -hmm. about it because if there's someone out there going through a similar journey, yep. it's always useful to hear. And again, like you, you said, it was never like a quote unquote problem, right? You you weren't like losing money, no. you know, like you, you know, you don't have multiple DUIs, no. like that kind of thing. You know, like never went to rehab, but eventually 
you got tired of yourself, mm-hmm. and you said it's not always easy. Talk me through that. What like what? It, it's been what six months now? Yeah, I mean, like you know, there are times when you're like feeling a lot of self doubt, especially being out and saying I'm creative. I'm going to put my ideas out in the world. I'm going to change careers from selling industrial gas detection to the men and women that, you know, bring up the underbelly of this country. Mm-hmm. And now you're like, I like pictures. Or like I, yesterday I was like, I'm going to spend eight hours remaking my reel into a Mega Man 2 theme. Like <laughs> it just seems like there's times like you're like, what are you doing? And so those are the times when it's hard. It's really self-doubting. It's it's cold. It's naked. And the alcohol for me was these blankets at times. Mm. But they weren't really – they were like emperor's clothes blankets, if that makes sense. Like yeah. they, they weren't really there, but it was a warm, cozy corner I could go and lie to myself and be be there and know that everything was going to be okay when my mind really needed to do the hard thinking because I would create that quote-unquote cocoon for myself, and then it would dissipate in the morning, and then it wouldn't get as tough. And then around nighttime when I would try to, like, cope or deal with it, you know, then it would would come back, and that's where it was the hardest part for me. No, that makes sense. Okay, and I've been trying to figure out why I've been relating so much to what you're saying, and Mm -hmm. it's not about alcohol. Mm -hmm. For me... That's why I smoked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, that's what cigarettes did for me. And I was constantly lying to myself about why I was doing it. Mm-hmm. And eventually I'm like, just like you. So it was November of 19. Yeah. So I am almost three years now with no with no cigarettes. But I'm like, I'm a fucking dad. Like, I don't right. want to be a secret smoking dad. Like, that's... <laughs> Taking heaters that's, out in the alleyway. Yeah. It's just so sad, you yeah. know? Like, out there, you know, pounding a couple of nails. And so, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um. But, and I was, like, starting to wheeze for no reason. Yeah. Like, I'd just be laying there, and I'm like, why am I fucking wheezing? I haven't even smoked all day. And I'm like, this is terrible. Like, this yeah. is awful for me. But I knew every time I would blaze one up... I would feel, quote unquote, like myself mm-hmm. for like five minutes. Yep. And I'm like, okay, this is excellent. And my brain would reset and I go, I got to find a new fucking coping mechanism. Right. Um, and so like to your point, the way you're describing booze, mm-hmm. that's not how booze works for me. Yeah. Right? So to your point, yeah. it doesn't work that way for everyone. But the way you were describing booze was exactly what I related to when it came to smoking cigarettes. Yeah. That's fucked up, man. Well, like, it's, it's, I think it, I mean, it, it makes so sense. So if, if that's where your brain is at, yeah. I totally get why you would, like, why you go, I need to really put this aside. <laughs> you, I had to. And not only the getting older, just the compounding effects on your body yeah. that it makes worse. And yeah, you just realize, like, you're trying to do self care, but you're doing self harm. Yeah. And it's this really weird thing of like how did this turn into this thing right. and then you realize like you know you're like oh I didn't, I didn't drink that much and then i would recount to kim i'd be like oh my god i would have had like eight drinks today <laughs> and you don't realize it because it's yeah. fine or what or, you know and and yeah it, it's been it has been the best thing for me uh am- on the journey and i realize it's not the same for everybody yeah, yeah. but i'm really glad that i had because there have been times in leading up to this process that have been so hard to try to really believe in yourself and make this commitment to hey i'm going to leave this thing i'm going to be 40 i'm going to do this thing i believe so wholeheartedly in the beauty of creativity and the beauty of like listening and following yourself and your passion that i couldn't do this anymore Mm. to poison myself and 
make it a more painful journey than it needed to be because it wasn't it wasn't medicine it wasn't coping it was furthering pain Ah. and that is the weirdest thing when you realize (laughs) like why have i established a habit of hurting myself emotionally when that doesn't need to be the norm that's not okay Mm. and that was a really hard thing to come to the realization about yeah but once you do i felt nothing but you know freedom those other things don't go away I still have the undesired addictive need to making things and doing those things, but at least it's much more in a healthier medium <laughs> well, <laughs> than, than, you know, like, uh, you know, being one of the like party dads or at the party, like, Hey, are we going to hang out after just dads, uh, just dads? Are we going to, we're going to go really drunk just dads afterwards? Like, dude, come on, you're 40, dude, go home, be a responsible dad. You know, like right. it gets tiring after a while. Fair enough. Um, I will say the only aspect I will miss of you drinking yes. is when you would get really excited and start sounding like little Penny. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up. Uh, I would get on. Yeah, I would. I would take this same thing, but I would be higher. Yeah, yeah it would yeah. be an octave higher. Octave okay. higher, and I would just start almost like almost uh, in a rapping. There, uh, yeah, there's like sense. a street cadence to it. <laughs> yes. Where, where I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> I remember we talked at the high school reunion. You're like, I can't. Like you literally just walked away. You're like, Kyle, this is all great. I can't right now. I gotta go. And I was just like, oh. I guess that's a thing. Yeah. Well, dude, I was in weird headspace yeah. at that reunion, and I, I realized this after the fact. I worked so fucking hard on that oh, thing. You guys did, <clears throat> um, and it turned out really, really well. Yeah, it did. But I'm standing there watching it happen in front of my face, and I left my body. Really? Like literally, I was. I'm like, get fucking back in there and go have fun. And right. I'm like, I can't. I don't know. Like, I can't find the door to get back into my own fucking body and be right. present here because right. I'm like. I've pictured this and I've slaved over this and I've like dedicated many, many hours to this and, you know, worked with Shahara and James mm-hmm. who I love them both, but have different working styles. Yes. So like it's stressful. Yeah. Um, anytime you're collaborating with anyone and your work styles are a little bit different, it's very, very stressful. So people are like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. But I like wasn't there. Yeah. So it was, that was a fucking weird night, man. <laughs> like, but everyone seemed to have a really good time. They so had that's a great good. Time. Yeah. So anyway, as you approach, you know, as you get more and more work here through mm-hmm. Crew Creative, mm-hmm. um, what types of things are you hoping to do? What types of industries? Who, like, if, if I were to circle back with you in mm-hmm. like five years, mm-hmm. what types of things will you have wanted to do? Yeah, it's a good question. I, for, for me, I think, what I really liked about being in health and safety and the the company I was at before had a, had a commitment to ending death on the job. And really what I love to be able to do is having to explain how some complex technical thing can make a very common sense difference in somebody's life. And I remember looking at people who would potentially be someone who would die or create a chronic health condition that would be a grandfather or whatnot, that they just don't technology is not one of their main things and that if they just understood it in a way then they would be able to to work with it so i think working with companies that have a message that's going to make an impact and taking all of that complexity and making it very very simple make it approachable yeah and and then using the principles of design to give it the respect visually and mentally to people so that brands can like and people can actually connect with what they're actually talking about away from kind of all of this right. like fun fluff and speech. So I think working with companies that have a particular mission 
to to get out or a word to get out and really understand, getting to like, as Mwangi and I would say on the podcast, getting to the rue of where they're at and extrapolating that and getting people to understand it is the best thing. And then being able to, I love motion graphics. I love motion graphics so much because you can put things in motion and you can say things with a circle and a square that humans can somehow understand more <laughs> deeply than a, than an entire paragraph yeah. or two pages of dialogue. And it blows my mind. So I think being able to like push the bounds for people to, to think about things differently and for them to comprehend, I think those are, you know, and again, we're early, you know, they're a little bit more, yeah. you know, aspirational or ethereal, but that's really what, what drives us is to be able to like take these messages, make them simple enough for people to understand, and then sort of get joy in the process of really understanding what makes you tick. Why does this company exist? Why does this product exist? What is this going to do here? We, we, we're just about to hopefully um, get a contract signed with a, a large startup, and we're going to go from brand up, logo build, wow, shit. brand redesign, like get, get websites up and running, get messaging positioning out in the market, wow. get explainer videos out. That's, that's the type of stuff where it's just like, yes, let's set the right tone. Let's get out here from the beginning. And those are the companies that it's like, it, it's wonderful. Um, so that that's kind of t- the type of work uh, that we're hoping to do. That's fucking amazing, dude. Yeah. You and this is another reason I was always happy to give you the benefit of whatever advice I can mm-hmm. I have is you got energy that's infectious. Like it, it it comes through. It's just it's a fucking ray of sunshine, man. What can I tell you? <laughs> I I appreciate that. I um it's it's a lot sometimes <laughs> to contain and deal with, but I truly enjoy when I can um, take that and work with with people. Well, dude, I mean, Kristen and I both get like we're a lot too, mm-hmm. and so like pe- people don't always know what to do with it. And I'm like, you don't have to do anything with it, okay? But this is what it is. Yeah. All right. Um, and so you and Kim are are very much sort of like cut from a similar cloth in that yep. way. So. That's fucking amazing, man. All right. Yeah. Now's the time on the show when we do plugs. Sure. Where can people find you, find Crew Creative, anything you want to plug, it's yours. Yeah, for sure. So I, I'll go I, – I think I'll give the mullet answer on this. So we'll go business in the front, party in the back. So business in the front, you can find us on um, LinkedIn through Crew Creative or crewcreative.com. Uh, That's the – the the way that you can find the company there um for a lot of you want to spell that for folks yeah that's k-r-u creative so k-r-u creative um so that would be uh the where where to find us there and then in the party in the back thing people can find me at true kyle k-r-u um on instagram that's where i'll post a lot more of like personal projects or freelance motion design projects where i'll come in and work with people who just need freelance motion work they've already got a producer director worked out um but that's where you can uh, that's where you can find me. Awesome. And what about Soda and Sun? Soda and Sun, yeah. Soda and Sun is on all uh, podcast platforms. Yeah, it, they are 15 minutes. They are just fun um, to go out and do, and that's where you can find uh, Soda and Sun. We've been, we try to do those like once a month, but it's really just whenever Cole wants to do it, I'm not going to be <laughs> right. staged at. We're not trying to make money off of it. It's just a fun <laughs> way to document, you know, a kid's life. Yeah, sure. And yeah. and have, have some nice conversations. Cause of course. When you when you have uh, a conversation like this, it's a different type of feel mm-hmm. than even when you're bullshitting with someone. But if you're doing a conversation with purpose, yeah. it's really really rewarding. Yes, in a lot it of ways. is. So uh, anyway, links to all of that will be in the companion blog piece. That's johnofalltrades.us. Also, speaking of every podcatcher, mm-hmm. it'll be down in the show notes. So if you're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Pandora, iHeartRadio, Audible, wherever you get your pods, I'm on all of them. Kyle, man. 
this uh, I, I'm happy that you are fully both feet now doing this. You've always had kind of one foot in the pool. Not anymore. Not anymore. No. Up, up to the neck. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're we play with live ammo. Right oh here. yeah, it's it's going live. No, I appreciate the opportunity, John. Your your show has been. You've always been the example of somebody that I look at and I go, you know what? John's doing this, and I really like the way that he's going about it. He's not very apologetic about anything, <laughs> and it, it's made it. it you, there are more times than you know than you've sort of like played this sort of like encouraging figure of like, all right, you know what? It's not be like John, but it's we're we come from similar energies, and I I think anybody who's listened to this show with you as a host, you have a relationship with them, and I would say like whatever John's putting out and the energy he's putting out, like. I admire it. Hopefully, you listening do, but like, I just appreciate what you do with this show, John. Uh, thanks, much. man. That's incredibly flattering. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Kyle. We'll uh, we'll do this again. Yeah. I, I'll check back in with you. That'll be fun, and uh, I wish you continued success in everything you do. Thanks, John. And that'll do it for episode three thirty four of the John of All Trades podcast with Kyle Krieger. Always great to get him in front of the mic here because we chat pretty regularly, but it's nice to do this on the record. Always a great show. Anytime I get to talk to him, the thrill. Kyle, I wish you nothing but the best. Let's give some love to our sponsor, 4Degrees, the number 4-D-E-G-R-E.es. Anything you're doing online, 4Degrees can help you do it better. Whether you are doing an email campaign, social media marketing, online advertising, if you're trying to reach an audience, 4Degrees can help you do it more effectively. Get that message in front of the people who need to see it most. They're so good at what they do. I love plugging them. Hit them up online. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Stay up with John of All Trades on social. The handle is J-O-A-T pod. That's across platforms. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. Episode previews are exclusive to Facebook only. Those go up on Mondays. New episodes drop on Wednesdays. Pod catchers everywhere. If you have the ability, leave me a rating. If you have a couple more seconds, just a couple of nice notes about what you like about the show. That helps the show immensely. Leave me a review. Hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes come directly to you. I'm out of here for this week. A lot of fun. I've been teasing a new project. I've been working diligently on it. I cannot wait to roll it out to you. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be fun. It's going to be lighthearted. And it's with some friends of the pod. That's right. Good friends of the pod. People I love to collaborate with. We're coming together. We're creating a Voltron of awesomeness. Coming to you very soon. I promise I will plug it when the time is right. And until I hear you again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.